Doing tonight? We're doing good? Awesome. My name is Mikey Portis. Love you guys too. Hey, uh, how many of you guys, I know we asked this question just a second ago, but how many of you guys, this is your first time here at Hume? She's way more excited than a lot of you returners, that's, that's for sure. Hey, you guys, you guys are here for the first time, and uh, maybe you've never been, like you just told me, you've never been to Hume before, and this is your first time in Ponderosa Chapel, you walk in these doors, it's dark, and then all of a sudden this, this kind of production takes place where we're on a boat, and we're getting attacked by people wearing trash, and there's all this stuff going on, you're probably wondering, what is going on in this place? This, I've never been to a place like this before. And kind of a little bit of what I'm going to do tonight is kind of explain to you why we do this. Why do we exist as Hume Lake? Why are you sitting here? Why are we here? And the main reason that we exist is that we just want students to know who God is. We want you to know who God is. And I want to start right off Tonight, I want to let you know what our intention is with you, especially for those of you that have never been to Hume before, or maybe you've never been to a church camp before, or maybe you're not totally sure about this whole Christian thing. Our intention and our hope is that you would come to know the living God this week, and that God would get a hold of your heart, and that he would transform you. And many times when we come in this building, it's really, really easy, especially night one, to be distracted by what just happened. And we hope that that's not a distraction because we hope that what you just saw, what just took place on stage, would help set up the rest of this week. And so you guys saw this whole kind of interaction take place. You saw people dressed up as sailors on a boat, and they're called the Omnians, right? And this is an analogy for what we're going to be studying in God's word this week. But they're called the Omnians, and they serve this guy named King Magnus. And King Magnus is the best. King Magnus has taught them everything that they know. King Magnus is God. And they serve him, and they go where he, they tell him, where he tells them to go, and they follow him. And then you've got the trashers who you just saw take over the ship, and those represent the Babylonians. So why is this significant? We're going to be going through the book of Daniel this week. And we're going to be talking about what it means to live in exile. And in the book of Daniel, you'll see the same thing happening. That Israel was taken captive by the Babylonians. And that everything that they knew was taken away from them. Their identity, their culture, who they worshipped, what they worshipped, how they worshipped, all of that stuff began to change. And Daniel, in the middle of this, is likely, many people believe, many Bible scholars believe he was only like 14 years old while he was taken into captivity, he and his friends. And so they would be seeing all of this change happening. And you kind of saw it on stage today. And they would be seeing their entire culture be stripped from them and who they worshipped, Yahweh, and as a result, Daniel and his friends would have seen so much compromise. Imagine being taken from your home. Some, imagine being taken from your home and placed somewhere completely foreign, but not only placed there, but forced to be educated by their culture, but not only forced to be educated by their culture, but forced to believe what they believe, 
And not only forced to believe what they believe, but also to be asked to live the lifestyle that they want you to live. And while we live in a world and a culture where that's not necessarily the case, we see a lot of similarities now in our culture, the culture you and I live in today. We see a lot of similarities between this culture and the culture that Daniel faced. So I want us to understand, and maybe for some of you guys that are here for the first time and you're trying to figure this whole thing out, I'd ask that you guys would be intentional with this time, that this wouldn't just be a time to have fun, but that when we open up God's word and when Nick, Nick comes up and speaks, that you guys would lean in, that you guys would focus, that your hearts would be focused. And you guys will learn what it means to live for the Lord this week. The main question we're going to be asking you guys, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. The main question, the one thing that we want you guys to take away from this week as we go through the first six chapters of Daniel is this. How can we live resiliently as believers in a culture that is hostile toward Christianity? The outcome of each and every single message that we have this week will be the same. And it's so that you could have a greater understanding of how to answer that question. How do we live resiliently as believers in a culture that is hostile toward Christianity? When we picked this theme and we were talking about this last August, right after summer camp, right after Truth Be Told. How many guys were there for Truth Be Told? Yes, that's right. Right after that, in August, we began to sit down with the camp directors of Hume. We got to discuss, man, what do we want to cover this next summer? And as we were discussing, this, this idea of exile kept coming up. And we were praying, and we were opening up God's word, and we were trying to figure out, man, what, what do we want these students to hear? And exile, the word exile, kept coming up. And the reason that it kept coming up is because I would have so many conversations last summer with students. And many students that would understand, we talked about truth last year. And we talked about what does it mean to believe in the truth? The fact that truth is concrete, that that Jesus Christ himself says that he is the way, the truth, and the life in the book of John. We went through the book of John. And a lot of students, I talked to them, and a lot of them are like, honestly, I, I understand this. I get it. I get that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But Mikey, the moment I head home, there's just an ocean of temptation. But it's so hard to actually live for the Lord, and many have expressed to me that it feels impossible it actually feels impossible to truly honor God with our lives in the culture that you teenagers live in today. And what we want to do as we study Daniel is to recognize if there's anything that we can get from the book of Daniel, it's that it is possible to live for the Lord. It's that it is. That God gives us the ability. He gives us his knowledge to live for him to honor him, and to obey him. And the way that we're going to do it, and many times, how many of you guys know people that are all talk, that kind of just talk the talk, but when it comes to actually walking the walk, you guys are like, he's sitting right next to me, right over here. Maybe he's, maybe he's, talk, maybe he's all talk when it comes to Kajabi. He says he's going to beat everybody in Kajabi. Or maybe he's a, he's a Lakers fan, you know? <laughs> um. I am a Lakers fan, by the way, and I realize that many of us are all talk. But hey, listen up. There are so many people 
listen up. There are so many people that are all talk. There's so many people, and you, there's so many Christians that live this way. Maybe they have the right words to say. Maybe they're in your youth groups. And the truth is, is that when we look at the life of Daniel, it's not necessarily preaching at us. It's showing us. It's showing us. It's giving us a story. It's giving us an example of how to live for the Lord. And so rather than maybe just taking notes the whole time, I want you guys to focus in on the Daniel story. And Nikki is going to do an amazing job at painting the picture of why it's significant. Why is Babylon significant? Why is it important to understand Babylon? The fact that we're surrounded, in fact that Daniel and his friends were surrounded by this culture that tried to change their identity. You guys know at the beginning, and Nick is going to talk about this, but they tried to give Daniel and his friends new names. Daniel and his friends' names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And those were Hebrew names. Those are names given to them by their parents. And oftentimes those names were names that would honor the Lord that they served, Yahweh. Many times those names served as a reminder of who their God was. The moment they get taken into Babylonian captivity, they're given new names. And the three new names that they're given is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's significant because not only did they just change their names, they tried and attempted to change their identity to conform with their culture. And what did they do? They gave them names that worshipped and pointed to pagan gods. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't just normal names. They're Babylonian names, and their names within their names are these Babylonian gods that they worshipped. So imagine that. Imagine being taken into this culture, surrounded by this, and having what it seems like your whole identity as a Hebrew person, as a follower of Yahweh, change overnight. But the truth is, is that it didn't change. That just because the Babylonians gave Daniel and his friends new names, that didn't change their identity. Their identity was found in the fact that they were worshipers of Yahweh. So the first question I ask you is, do you know who you are? Many of us, many of us struggle with this identity thing. And oftentimes what ends up happening is we have all these things that we put our hope and our trust in. We want to be seen as certain people. And honestly, it oftentimes stems from a fear of man. It stems from what, what people will think of us. And ultimately, we shape our identity to fit in line with what we want people to see us as. And as a result, sometimes we're confused. We place our identity in things we know aren't actually what we should be placing our identity in. And we start to call, ourself, call ourselves specific people and, 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 and say that we belong to certain groups when at the end of the day, what we're looking for, our identity, who we are, we're not going to find. Daniel wasn't searching for himself in the midst of all of this. He wasn't trying to figure out, who am I? How did he know who he was? Because he knew who his God was. He served Yahweh. He was a worshiper of Yahweh. That was his identity. That's who he was. Many of us are searching for something that's kind of like a ghost. So we're not going to find it. And meanwhile, while we're searching, we're placing it in these other places. We're putting our trust in these other things. 
And when those things fail us and fail to satisfy us and fail to actually explain who we are, we're left not really knowing who we are. So if you are trying to figure out who you are, look no further than the word of God. Look no further than the fact that you are made in the image of God, that God created you. Whether or not you believe in Christianity or not, you are made in the image of God. The Bible says you are a representation of his glory so that when you're walking in your schools and you're walking by people in the hallways, that when you see other people, you actually see a little bit of who God is. And we treat that time as just passing time. There are a thousand representations of who God is in this room. Your identity is not something to be searched for. It's something to be found as a believer and as somebody who knows the word of God and knows who you are because you know your God, because you know who God is. We are created by a creator, which means our identity is inextricably linked to the fact that God created us. So when we're trying to look for ourselves in all of these other places and remove God from the equation, it will never make sense. It will never make sense. The second thing is this. In order to be a resilient believer in Jesus Christ, you need to have conviction. You need to have conviction. We're convinced of a lot of things. We have tons of opinions, and oftentimes we have opinions about the things that actually don't really matter. When you think about it, when you're a Lakers fan, you have an opinion that the Lakers are the greatest team in the NBA. When you're uh, a Marvel fan, you have the tendency to think that Marvel's way better than DC, right? And it is, amen. <laughs> and you have, all these op- you have all these opinions, right? And oftentimes they're opinions, and, and honestly, they're convictions, right? They're like, I'm convinced of this. And you would go to battle for some of these things. You would go to battle to say LeBron is the GOAT, or you would go to battle to say so many of these different opinions that you have, but when it comes to actually the most important things, we don't really know. We don't actually know. When it comes to God's word, we don't really know. And what ends up happening, and and I'm telling you this, when we were were deciding what theme we were gonna do, we we read this research article, and it's from Barna Research, and it was talking about the fact that so many, about 65 to 75% of high school students that are involved in their youth groups and their Sunday services and that are going to church, by the time they reach college, shortly, shortly, within the first year, church, church attendance just drops out. And then after that, they begin to question a lot of the things that they were taught growing up. And they never actually got into God's word. And they never were actually formed by the word. And so when they read things, when they go back and read things, or you have professors, or you have friends that don't necessarily agree with, you, with what you believe, they start asking you these questions about, well, what about the God of the Old Testament? Doesn't he seem wrathful and angry? And then because you never really had a firm foundation or grasp on what God's word says, then you start to question what you believe. Are you in that place? Are you already in that place? You don't really know what you believe. Most, 99.9% of the world doesn't really know what they believe. They think they know, 
but then when they actually get down into it, they actually don't. They have opinions, they have subjective truth, my truth, your truth, but when it comes to actually understanding the way the world works and what they believe, they, they, they don't really know what they believe. And so one of the greatest opportunities for you guys as you head down the hill is actually knowing what you believe because not a lot of people do. And they'll begin to see you and to say, well, this person actually is convinced of something. That word conviction, to have conviction, comes from the word to be convinced. Are you convinced? Are you convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt what this has to say is absolute truth? Are you convinced of that? Is it something that you would bet your life on? Daniel did. In fact, in Daniel chapter 6, there's a story about Daniel. He's about to be taken into and thrown into a lion's den. We'll talk about that. And as he was captured, and as he heard that these people were going to come and get him, he said he got on, it says that he got on his knees, he opened his windows and his doors so that people could see him praying. And it said right after that, as was his custom, which means he did this all the time. Daniel repetitively, repetitively would honor the Lord in prayer, knew who his God was, so he didn't have to question in his mind whether or not what he claimed to be, believe was true, he knew it was. He bet his life on it every single time. He was in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace, said our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't. In fact, let's read that verse real quick. Flip over to Daniel 3. If you guys don't have a Bible, if you guys don't have a Bible, go ahead after this, go in the back and pick up a Bible. We'd love for you guys to have one. Um, they're right back there. A lead will help you out and get you guys a Bible. Um, but if you don't know where Daniel is, it's kind of in the middle of your Bible. It's past like the book of Isaiah and all these different places. So we're going to open up to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And this is our theme verse for the week. And this is it's vital for us to, 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 to read this so that we understand what it actually means to have resilience. This is an amazing image of what it means to live resiliently. Daniel chapter three, and we're gonna go down to verse 13. Verse 13. Give me a thumbs up when you guys are there. Awesome, let's read this. Verse 13, Daniel chapter three. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16, I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner, matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship 
the golden image that you have set up. You want to see resilience? You want to see the ability to stare death in the face and still stand on your convictions and what you believe? Look no further than that. About to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Many of you guys know this story. You watched the Veggie Tales growing up, the chocolate bunny, all that stuff, right? But when it comes down to it, you actually think and place yourself in their shoes. They were about to die for what they believed. And some of us would probably try and make an argument for why it's not that bad if we bow down to the golden image. Be like, well, you know what? I actually, I still believe in Yahweh. I just, I just, I just want to preserve my life so that I can share God's, God's word more. You don't see that in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see one decision, and that is to honor the Lord. Because they knew who, who their God was. They knew what he commanded them. Not to bow down to idols. You shall have no other gods before me. They read that growing up as, Hebrew, as Hebrews, and they believed it. And the reason you know they believed it is because you see it in their actions, and you see it there in verse 14 through 16. Many of you guys will never ever, Lord willing, be faced with having to be thrown into a fiery furnace for what you believe. And so this hostility that we live in today is a little bit different than what we see in God's word. It's a different type of hostility. It's a hostility that wants to give you every single thing that you want so that it begins to pull you further and further away from the truth. It's a hostility that presents itself as satisfaction and all the things that we want as young people presented before us. The average American teenager spends seven hours a day on their phone. Seven hours a day. Just surrounded, saturated by so much. And little time is left over for the Lord. Little time is left over to actually study the things of God. And so the type of hostility it's winning in a lot of places because we've become addicts, because we're constantly anxious, because we give our trust and our hope and we place our hope in all these different things, our sports, our schools, where we're going to college, all these different things, success, 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 drives our culture. And when those things get taken away, what matters? the only thing that will ever matter, and that is the truth of God's word. So in order for us to be resilient, we gotta know what we believe. We gotta have convictions. We gotta stand by those things. And we gotta stop reading certain things that we don't like, and we read these specific passages in scripture, and some of them, we wanna, we wanna believe a lot of them, and then some of them we just have a hard time with, so we pick and choose what we choose to believe. And what does that end up doing? That gives us a flimsy conviction, which means that we actually don't believe what we say we believe because the whole entire Bible tells one story. And so for you to say, I agree with this, but not really with this, or, or I, I trust this, and, and, but I don't really trust this, and that's just my interpretation of Scripture, when clearly the words are so clear we try to make these arguments 
and it just ends up leaving us not really knowing what we believe. So we got to have conviction. The third thing, the third thing is this. we got to be disciplined. we got to be disciplined as believers. And kind of near the end of the week, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Our last message talks about this a lot. But the spiritual disciplines of what it means to actually follow the Lord. Like I said, seven hours a day on the phone, but what do we do with the rest of our time? Do we waste our time? Are we constantly just wasting our time on things that don't matter? Daniel got on his knees every single day and prayed to the Lord. And he was resilient because of it. It wasn't just a legalistic thing. It wasn't just because this is just what Hebrews do or what a Jewish person does. It was because he knew God and it's because he was serving God. And it's because he wanted to know God more. You see all throughout the book of Daniel how quick Daniel is to prayer. He's so quick to prayer. When his friends, he and his friends are in trouble, what does he do? He prays. Are you quick to prayer? Are you quick to read your Bible? Are you quick to those things? Are you quick to Instagram, TikTok? quick to friends that you know aren't good friends, quick to all these other things that are just stealing your joy, and you know it. It's funny because I feel like I sometimes have to convince you that the culture we live in is messed up, but I really believe that you guys understand that, that you see that, that you see the addictions that are surrounding you and the mental health issues and all that's going on, and you see this, and you see the culture perpetuating this. And so it's no mystery and in, despite knowing some of these things, we decide to continue to indulge, to continue to fall in. Last thing is that Daniel spent his entire life in exile. The fourth thing is, who do you put your trust in? What do you put your trust in? Daniel spent his entire life in exile, like I just said. Away from home, living in a foreign country that believed completely different things. And you'd like, to, you'd like to see in the book of Daniel him change the entire nation. But what you actually see is nations come and kings come and kings go. And each king is different. And some kings honor the Lord and some kings don't. And he's constant through it all. He's faithful through it all. By the time he's thrown in the lion's den, he's an old man. So you see this consistency, this resolve throughout his entire lifetime. How was he able to do that? Because he put his trust in God. He didn't just know God. He didn't just have convictions. But he had those convictions because he trusted his God. The text speaks for itself, story after story of Daniel trusting his God to save him. And this God that he trusted is probably the best depicted in the book of Daniel in chapter 7. If you guys open up to chapter 7, it's where we end tonight. Chapter 7. Verse 9. I'm just going to read verse 9 all the way down through verse 14. 
This is the God that Daniel trusted. And this is the God that hopefully, and I pray that you would trust by the end of this week. Here's what it says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. This is Daniel. He's having these visions. This is while he's in exile. And so a lot of times, the, the later half of Daniel kind of talks about these visions. But one of these visions depicts who his God is. Here's what it says, verse 9. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and his wheels, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Let's skip down to verse, 9, verse 13 right here. It said, I saw in the night visions. It's just an extension of his visions. And it says, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel has this vision of who God is, this vision of the God that he trusts. My question for you is many of you guys are coming up from broken home lives broken friend situations, broken relationships. And I ask who you put your trust in. Because if you're putting your trust in all these other things, these people, these friends, why aren't we putting our trust in the ancient of days? The God that will never change. The word ancient, that, that, that phrase ancient of days refers to the fact that God will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you might say, Mike, you don't understand what I'm going through, what my family's going through. Our God is the ancient of days. Mike, you don't understand what's going on in my relationship right now. Our God is the ancient of days. You don't understand I'm getting made fun of every single day for what I believe. Our God is the ancient of days. It doesn't matter Situations come and situations go. And what you see in the book of Daniel is one God reigning over it all. One kingdom. And I love this. At the very end, it says there was one like the son of man. It's really easy to read the book of Daniel and to think that Daniel's the hero of this story. But we'll learn throughout the week that the entire week is about one person. Jesus Christ. The son of man was presented before the ancient of days who's the only one worthy. And we're gonna learn more about who he is this week. And so, you guys will have the opportunity to open God's word this week, and I pray and hope that you guys would take it seriously, that you would lean in, that in times like this, where it's so easy to be distracted by your friends, that you guys would be determined to listen, that you would want to listen, Maybe you're sick and tired of coming up to Hume every single year and the moment that you head down the hill, surrounded by temptations, your life then just ends up looking completely like it did before you came. Maybe you're sick and tired of that. Maybe you're sick and tired of living a double life, of saying that you're a Christian in your Instagram bio, but your actual life looks completely different. 
one foot in, one foot out. Maybe you're sick of not really knowing what you believe and not providing an answer when people ask you what you believe and not actually being able to give an answer. I hope that all those things, that you would find answers in Daniel this week as you do those things. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I'm thankful for your word and God, what it means to be a resilient believer in you. And so Jesus, I just pray that as we watch the videos and as we open up your word, that you would speak to us. And God, would you be with Nick as he speaks and God, would you be with the worship team as they lead us in worship? And God, I just pray for distractions this week, God, whether it's stuff that got brought up here or relationships or anything like that, God, I pray that we would be able to focus on who you are this week. God, there is nothing that could be more important than what we're talking about in chapel this week as we open your word, nothing. God, for those of us that are constantly tempted by our phones and our social medias and all the things that grab our attention, Lord, I pray that as we take a break from those things this week, that we would see true joy and satisfaction in knowing you. God, that we would recognize those things offer us but little temporary satisfaction but there is a God, you, Lord, that offer us eternal satisfaction. That we get to enjoy you forever. We get to taste and see that the Lord is good. We love you, Lord, and we pray for this week. Pray as we go about our day. Keep us safe. Help us to have a fun week. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.